so appreciate them being sensitive to the Spirit of God moving in. I hope you have enjoyed the Word because you have gotten the Word for two nights and we have another night uh, this evening at 6 p.m. I want you to come back and gather with us. But this morning, I want to turn the service over to Pastor Dean. I told somebody this morning, I said, yeah, you can get your weekly Bible reading in in one service. Uh, I love this man and this woman here. They are just truly uh, gifts to God's kingdom, and they're spreading the fire of revival everywhere they go, and I appreciate them. Let's give them a, a good Greenville, Texas welcome. Praise the Lord. Psalms chapter 107 and verse 2 said, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed out of the hand of the enemy. word redeemed means next of kin. The word say so means to certify. Here's what that's saying. I am kin to God. <laughs> I like that. I am kin to God. And guess what? If he's your heavenly father and you're his earthly son or daughter, we're family. That's where the word brother and sister derived from, addressing a child of God, a person of family. So good to be here this morning. I'm going to get right into the word of God. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Hebrews chapter 9. I want to read verse number 22. Hebrews chapter 9, reading verse number 22. I've been having you to stand, but you were just standing so you can remain seated this morning as I read this verse of Scripture to you. He said, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. The word remission there means pardon. Almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. What I want to do this morning is I want to talk about the power of the blood. Why does God put so much uh, 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 confidence, why does God put so much direction to us concerning the blood. I want to take the blood to where it starts in the Word of God, to where Jesus' blood is today by the Word of God. The Scripture gives some insight here when we read this passage of Scripture of Hebrews chapter 9 that said almost all things are by the law purged with blood. Then he said without it, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Why did God put so much emphasis on the blood? Let's take this from the beginning as we begin tonight. Friday night I touched on something. Last night I touched a little bit on the blood. But I want to take the blood through the course of the Word of God. Where did it start? Why is it so important that we have the blood? In Romans chapter 6 and verse number 23, Paul gives some insight that is referring to the book of Genesis. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 23, he said, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is, your Bible may say everlasting life, some say eternal life. The wages of sin is death. Where did that come from? 
God set the penalty of sin in the book of Genesis. Now, if you'll notice, I'm a preacher that refers a lot to the book of Genesis. Every subject in the Bible has roots in the book of Genesis. Fact is, if you study the book of Genesis and know it in minute detail, it's a gateway to the entire Bible. It's called the book of beginnings, and everything begins in the book of Genesis. Even the salvation plan of God unfolds in the first chapter, but I'm not going to go there with that. I spoke to you the other night, and, and I brought this, and I'm going to hit this real quickly here and move on And as of the reason why that we have to be born again and what takes place when we are born again. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter number 1. Chapter 1 of the book of Genesis, verse number 26. Now, I said just a few seconds ago that I'm not going to go into the plan of salvation in the first chapter. That's earlier than verse 26. There's some great stuff there that unfolds to us in the Word of God. But Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image after likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, the cattle over all the earth, and creeping things that creepeth up on the earth. God said, Let us make man in our image after likeness. Image is what you look like. Likeness is what you act like. Now then, Adam was made in the image image of God. What does that mean? Two arms, two legs, a body, a head, two eyes, nose, ears, and a mouth. God has all of that. Every feature of God is mentioned to us in the Word of God and identified. The hands of God, the feet of God, even the hair of God is identified in the Word of God. But if you turn to chapter 5 after the fall, let me read, well, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's, let me read verse 2 and 3 together. The other night I just read 3, but let's read verse number 2 and then verse number 3. The Bible gives some great instruction here and I want you to notice in verse 2 that God knew there was two people. I want you to see the singular and the plural in this verse of scripture. Now watch this. Male and female made he them, two people, and blessed them, two people, and called there, T-H-E-I-R, possessive plural, call their name Adam, singular, from the day they were created. Oh, before I read verse 3, I'm going to have to explain verse 2 in detail. There is plural here and singular as God puts this together. Let me bless you with something this morning. Keep your finger there in chapter 5 because I'm coming back to that in a moment of time. And go back with me, if you will, to chapter number 2. Chapter number 2, let me look here, real quick, verse 18. In Genesis chapter 2, verse number 18, it's the only time that God makes his statement that it's not good concerning his creation. All the other things that God created, he did not need a cheering section. He didn't need somebody to pat him on the back and say, hey, God, you done good. No, God said it himself. 
it is good. But look at verse 18. He said, it's not good that man should be alone. The word alone is two English words put together all one. Take them apart, all one. If you're all one, you're alone. You understand that? It's not good for man to be alone. So God said, I will make a helpmate. I'm going to make this man a wife. I'm going to make him a helpmate for him. Now scroll down to verse 23. Look at verse number 23. God had put Adam to sleep and watch what happens when he woke up. He has heard from God. God put him to sleep. And verse 23 of Genesis chapter 2, Adam looked at his wife for the first time. Now understand, Adam nor Eve was made babies and they grew up. They were totally mature and when God created them. Oh, I could preach 30 minutes on that right there. But, but watch this now. The Bible said in verse number 23, Adam is making this statement. Adam said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Why? Because she was taken out of man. What does that mean? When God made Adam, he had already made Eve. She had not been formed at that point, but she had already been created by the awesome power of God. God brought Eve out of Adam. Now watch this. Understand this. When God made Adam in God's thinking, in Adam he had made every living person that was ever going to be born on this planet earth. God made that. Now go back to Genesis 5 and verse number 2. The Bible said, male and female made he them and blessed them and called their name Adam. Oh, they're singular. God knew Eve was there, but he called their name Adam. Why? Because God went back to the beginning and he said he called his name Adam. Oh, what does that mean? Listen to me and understand me. You're not an accident. You're not a slip up. You may have been told that all of your life. I don't care if you grew up in foster care or you've been adopted or you never knew who your father was. You never knew who your mother was. I'm here to tell you God knew you was coming. He knew you was coming. You're not a slip up of some sort. God knew you was coming. So quit riding that card around and understand God's got a plan for me. I do fit into the kingdom of God. I am somebody by the mercies of God. God knew you was coming into this world and he's got a plan for you and he wants to be in you, move on you, touch you and bless you in every form and fashion regardless of what you think your past might be. Understand that he is bringing you in the now. Well, God had made Adam and Eve and placed them in the garden. They were without sin. And let me read verse 3 while we're here. I'm in Genesis 5 and verse number 3. Adam was 130 years old. He begot a son after his likeness, his image, and called his name Seth. Now, I told you this other night, but let me run through this again for somebody that did not know or hear this. When Adam and Eve fell, they never lost the image of God. 
they lost the likeness of God. What does it mean? When they sinned and fell, they never lost their arms, they never lost their legs, their eyes, their ears, their mouth, or their head, but they did lose the likeness of God. Now, when Jesus said, you must be born again, here's what he's talking about. When you come to an altar prayer and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin, come into your heart and your life, he moves the sin out of your life, and he births in you the likeness of God that was lost in the fall of man. Now you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Does that make you perfect? Not by long shot. But now you have something living on the inside of you that identifies when you falter or when you stray. It rises up within me and say, hey, Dean, you can do better than what you're doing. You can do better than where you're at right now because I'm a new creature pastor in Christ Jesus. Now, that's what salvation is all about. Now, let's go back to where Adam and Eve failed. They failed from the walk of God by believing in what the devil said instead of what God said. They could have walked eternal. It was God's intention for Adam and Eve to live on this planet Earth in their eternal body. They fell from where they was originally created to what man has digressed to today. God never made man to kill his family. God never made man to kill one another. Man has digressed to that, but we have to rise in the righteousness of God. So Adam and Eve had sinned in the Garden of Eden. Oh, let me, I, I'm up there in the balcony. I'm going to do a little flipping back here. I'm coming back to Genesis chapter 3, but go to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2 and Verse uh, uh, First Timothy chapter two, verse number fourteen. Now I want you to see this with understanding this morning. First Timothy chapter two, verse number fourteen. Look at what this says in the Word of God. Adam was not deceived, but the woman, being deceived, was in transgression. Oh, what's that all about? Adam sinned willfully. Eve was deceived in falling into transgression. What's that all about to us in the Word of God? Well, before we go to Genesis, let me pick up one more, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 45. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 45. I want to uh, explain something that I think is cool. <laughs> Can I say that? <laughs> that? That's outdated, I know that. But I want to tell you something that I think is very cool. Now watch this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 45, as it is written, the first Adam was a living soul. The last Adam was what? A quickening spirit. Why is Jesus referred to as the last Adam? Now, this scripture is misquoted a lot of times into saying the first Adam and the second Adam. If there was a second, they could be a third and a fourth. So God is very discreet in picking his words here, the first Adam and the last Adam. Why is Jesus referred to in in the word of God as the last Adam. Let me explain that. When Adam, the first Adam, was in the Garden of Eden and he came
came up, Eve had been deceived. She had partaken of the forbidden fruit and the word said she gave it to Adam. He knew what was going to happen. He was not deceived. He went into this willfully. Why? Because Adam knew that on God's routine visit that God would take Eve out of the garden and they would be totally separated. So Adam willfully becomes sin with Eve so they would not be separated. Watch this now. Jesus willfully came from heaven down to this earth and he took my sin upon him so we would not be eternally separated. It is the same correlation for us in the word of God. The first Adam and the last Adam. Adam sinned willfully and Eve sinned by deception. I had a, had a preacher to tell me this a few years ago and then uh, we were in a, a discussion and there was a panel of preachers there and he looked at me and said, I believe preacher if a man uh, sins willfully there doesn't remain any sacrifice and he's eternally lost after he does that. And I looked at the brother and I said, you know, preacher, I can't ever remember when I accidentally sinned. I just, I, I just that, that slips my mind. I can't ever remember when it slipped up on me and I accidentally sinned. Most of the time when I blow it, I know it's coming and I don't detour it at all. I just do it right then and there and pick up the pieces later. Adam willfully sinned. Aren't you glad that God gives forgives willful sin as well as he does deception sin as well? He is a forgiveness of sin. Now follow this. Adam ate of sin. Go to Genesis chapter 3. Here I am back in Genesis again. Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to read verse 7 and verse number 8. Chapter 3 of Genesis verse 7 and verse number 8. Now look at this very carefully because I want to explain something to you. The Bible said in verse number 7, this is after the fall. The eyes of them both were open. They knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves made aprons for themselves. Now verse number 8. In verse number 8, this gives the idea that this is a routine thing with God. Now look at verse number 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees in the garden. They heard the voice of God, knew exactly who it was indicating he had made this trip many times. He had walked with them on a personal basis, God of glory came to the Garden of Eden and walked with his creation that he had made. Now then, they finally come out of hiding and they're wrapped in fig leaves and, and God looked at them and said, hey guys, what's going on? He already knew he's looking for a confession. Wow. He, and instead of confession, they went through the blame game. Uh, Adam said, God, it's not my fault. It's that one. Now, he willfully becomes sin with her, but now he's facing the, the, the music and it's a different 
different story now. He's crawfishing on his decision. He said, God, it's that woman that you made me. So, God, it's your fault. And Eve said, I can see her put her hands on her hip and say, don't you blame me with that. You knew better than to do that, and you've done it anyway. It's not my fault, God. It's the serpent that you made. Wow. And God said, all right, I'll take the blame for that because the wages of sin. Adam, I told you, in the day that you partake of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you're going to die. So something has got to die. Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 21. Genesis 3 verse number 21. Look at this. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. God performed the first sacrifice that was ever performed in the word of God. This is the beginning of the blood. This is where the blood started. If you was reading this in a Hebrew context, here's how you would read it. There's two sheep over here eating grass. They're totally innocent of the sin of Adam and Eve. They don't even know what Adam and Eve has done. But something has got to die. So God took the life of those two sheep and then he took the covering off of them that covered their innocent body and he transferred the covering off of the innocent body to Adam and Eve. Oh, get down now. Now watch this. Understand this. They had covered themselves with fig leaves and God said, you've done a good job making clothes out of fig leaves, but that's talent right there. But you can't cover your own sin. You can't sanctify your own self. Something has got to die and you've got to be covered by a Savior, by a Savior. So God transformed a miracle there when he took the skin off of the innocent body of the sheep and moved it to Adam and Eve and covered them. Now they're covered. They're covered by what? By the blood. Oh, let's, let's move on. Go to chapter 4, the book of Genesis, and the first two verses, and let me point something out here. Here's the first set of twins that's recorded in the Word of God. Even though their names don't rhyme, Cain and Abel, it's the first set of twins that's in the Word of God. Look at verse number 1. The Bible said, And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived, and bare Cain, and said, I I have gotten a man from the Lord. Look at verse 2. And again, she bore Abel. Abel is a keeper of the sheep. Cain is a tiller of the ground. Now then, she conceived one time and bore twice. That makes them twins. Understand that. Why is that for us to understand? Because they was raised at the same time with the same teaching. They knew what it took to get to God. But one day while they were coming to worship God, Abel brought a blood sacrifice. Cain brought turnips and cucumbers and squash and 
and okra and offered it to God. Now then, I get this question a lot. Well, that's what Cain done. That's what, that's what he was. He just brought of his fruits. This was not a tithing offering. This was a worship offering to God. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. So God accepted Abel's sacrifice. He, he rejected Cain's sacrifice. And the first fight in the word of God was over worship. Yeah. The first killing was over worship. Man, that's something right there. I could preach on that for at least 15 minutes. But watch this now and understand where I'm coming from this morning. All the way through the word of God, it was required a blood sacrifice. Why? Because God said to Noah, life is in the blood. Not blood is life, but it's an element that God put in the blood called life. And for many, many years, the Jews brought goats, sheep, calves to the side door of the tabernacle. They would cut the throat of the animal, catch the blood, because life is in the blood, and that sacrifice represented that family. That's the reason each family had to do their own sacrifice. The priest would take that blood in and he would put it on the altar and he would pray for that family. But now watch this and understand where I'm coming from this morning. They could only move sin ahead. They were covered. Why was they covered? Because God took the covering of the animals and clothed Adam and Eve. There's where the covering come from. But the man that offered the sacrifice would drag the carcass of the animal out there, quarter it up, and burn it. Not only does God hear your prayer, God smells your prayer as well. Wow. It's a good smell, and the nostrils of God are stink in the nostrils of God. It can be either one, but God smells your prayer. Now then, through the years of time, hundreds of thousands of lambs, sheep, and goats were killed as a sacrifice for mankind. The sheep could only move sin ahead. That's the reason they had to perform the sacrifice yearly. But what we needed was something, someone, something that could pay the price and then beat the price. That, that's what we needed from, from heaven. So the Bible said Jesus came from heaven to this earth. Let me read that from the scripture because the scripture just does a better job than I can do with it. Brother, go to the book of Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Let me start in verse number 6. Don't know how much of this I'll read, but let's just read some of it here. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 6, here is the rendition from the Apostle Paul of Jesus coming from heaven to this earth in the form of man. Look at verse number 6. He said, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal 
equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and become obedient to death, even to the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him, given him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now back up to verse number six, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. You see, Jesus, before he come to this earth, was an equal with God. Do you understand that? I don't have time to go into that in detail, but he stepped down from equality with God and cocooned himself in the flesh of men. Why did he do that? Because a God cannot die. And we needed somebody that could pay the penalty of sin, which is death. And not only pay the penalty of sin, which is death, but beat the penalty of sin, which is death. The sheep could pay the price. The calves could pay the price. The goats could pay the price, but they couldn't beat the price. And what we needed for someone is to beat the price of death and bring victory to us through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I feel something now. I'm experiencing something now. You understand that? Jesus came from heaven down to this earth and cocooned himself in the flesh of man so he could die. That was the whole point of him coming. I get this question a lot. Well, preacher, how could he be very much man and very much God at the same time in the same body? Let me take a little detour here and explain that. Hang on, I'll find this for you where you can see it. Um, uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 1 and uh, verse 20. I want you to look at the last part of this verse of Scripture. You see, the father determines the blood type of a child. That's the reason they can take your blood and find out whether you're the daddy of that kid or not because the father determines the blood type of a child. Now watch this. The very last part of this, Joseph is in a quandary here. He is going to get married to Miss Mary, and he found out she's expecting a child, and he knows it's not his. So he don't know whether he wants to marry her or not. But an angel appears to him, and this is what it says to him in the last part of that verse. For that which is conceived in her is of, the Holy Ghost. Wow. So now watch this. Mary made him a body in her body. And because she's of the tribe of Judah and the lineage of David, Jesus is born the line of the tribe of Judah and he's born the seed of David or the son of David. But God furnished his blood type. Understand that. His blood was not O positive. It was not O negative. It was not A positive or A negative. 
negative, but his blood was divine. You understand me this morning? His blood was divine. Flowing through his veins was the blood of the living God of glory. That made him the son of God. His body made him the son of man. His blood made him the son of God. Oh, let me help you understand why we say divine healing. Why is it divine healing? He took stripes on his back, his flesh back, but from the inside of his body, flowing through those stripes was the divine blood of heaven, sir. That's the reason we call it divine healing because God, through it. Oh, have mercy Oh, me. Let me just stop and shout a minute this morning because flowing through those earthy stripes was the divine blood of heaven for the healing of mankind. Wow. Now then, that makes it more personal and more divine. Boy, this watch has got a glare on it. I can't tell whether it's 9 o'clock or... <laughs> All right, now then watch what happens here. Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. He was born with the sheep and the goats. Every Christmas, you know, we, we leave the impression, poor Jesus. Poor Jesus. Born in a barn setting with the sheep and the goats and because there was no room in the Holiday Inn. There was no room in the Quinta. It was, Motel 8 was booked up. There was no room for him in the inn. No, he was born in a barn setting because he was the lamb, L-A-M-B, the lamb of God. And that's the reason God sent shepherds to identify him instead of a local evangelist or neighboring pastor. Who could better recognize a lamb than a shepherd? <laughs> oh, they come to Bethlehem of Judea and they looked in that manger and said, he is a lamb without spot, without blemish and without wrinkle. He'll do, he'll do. That dude is gonna pay the price and then he's gonna beat the price whenever he comes out of the grave. But now watch this and let me help you understand something. The blood is so divine. The blood is so powerful. I'm going to skip over some right here where I can get to the main part where I want to bless you this morning to show you where the blood of Jesus is today. Now then, when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, he paid the price for our sin. John chapter 19 and verse 34. The divine blood had to be separated from the earthy body because the divine blood has everlasting life in it and it could not go in the tomb. It could not go in the grave. So what happened on the cross of Calvary after he had already given up the ghost, after he had already died, here come a soldier. Look at verse 34, John 19. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith 
came out there blood and water. It was separated from the earthy body because the earthy body was going to go in the tomb, but the divine blood had to remain outside of the tomb. And God said, let's do the separation now because there's something coming in about three days of time. Three days from that time, Jesus stood in the mouth of that tomb and said, you can't hold me because I've not sin. Death, you turn loose because you cannot hold me. Hell, you can't do one thing about this. Grave, you have lost your victory. And the stone rolled away and the guy that had paid the price for sin now stepped out of the tomb, not only paying the price, but beating the price. And the angels declared, who you're looking for is not here. He's risen. He's risen. He's risen from the dead. He not only paid the price, sir. He beat the price so I can be free from the penalty of sin. Wow. I preach a message about the resurrection and go through all of that. Wish I'd have preached that this morning. Both at the same time. That'd been just real good with me. But Jesus stepped out of the tomb. Now we're not done. Go to John. St. John chapter 20. Uh, Verse 17, Mary come to the tomb, the disciples come to the tomb, the stones rolled away, the tomb's empty. Mary's so distraught, she sees this guy that she thinks the gardener. And she ran over there to him, and when he spoke to her, and look at what he said, verse 17, touch me not. Don't touch me. I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I send to my father, your father, my God, and your God. Now, don't touch me. Why is that? Because the priest spent three days sanctifying himself before he went behind the veil. Pastor, if anybody touched them, they had to do it again. So Jesus said, Mary, don't touch me. I have not yet ascended to my Father. What's this all about? Now, there's two ascensions here. This one is not spoke of very much, but he ascended into heaven when he came out of the tomb, came back to this earth, walked 40 days, and then ascended back into heaven. What's that all about? Well, thought you'd never ask, but let me explain it to you, okay? Hebrews chapter 9, I'm going to start in verse number 12. We'll pick up just a few verses here. Watch this now and understand. Jesus took his own blood into heaven. Oh, what, what's he doing? Standing there when Mary came up there, don't touch me. He's holding 4.7 quarts of divine blood of heaven. He extracted it from the ground and this is what the word of God has to say. Hebrews 9 verse number 12. He said... Hebrews, Hebrews 9 and verse number 12, instead of 12 and 9. Hebrews 9, verse number 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered once 
into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through eternal spirit offer himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament. Now let me help you understand something. See, there is a church house in heaven where God is the pastor of it. It's mentioned seven times in the book of Revelation and three out of those seven times, the saints of God that have preceded us in death still worship God in the temple that's in heaven. Jesus carried his blood in the mighty temple, walked down the aisle of the sanctuary to the altar room and poured his blood out upon the altar. You know what that's about? That's where God sees us from. He goes to the throne room, which is the altar room, and he looks at us through the blood on the altar where Jesus' blood is today, and when he looks at us through the blood, he sees us as redeemed. He sees us as justified. He sees us as sanctified. He sees us as forgiven. In order for you to have that hope and in order for you to have that kind of glory, you have to put yourself under the blood of Jesus Christ by accepting him as Lord of your life. Wow. Let me hurry. Would you give me five more minutes? How many give me five more minutes? All right. Well, five, 10, 15, 20. I believe I'm going to make it. Yeah. Jesus put his blood on the altar, came back to this earth, and walked on this earth 40 days. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 3. You tell how much education I've got, verse 3. See that? Acts 1 and verse 3. <laughs> now watch this. To whom he showed himself alive, by how? Many infallible proofs, and being seen of them 40 days. Now from the time of the Passover till the outpouring of the Spirit, on the day of Pentecost is 50 days. And Jesus walked on this earth 40 out of those 50 days. He'd already taken his blood to heaven, came back and walked on the earth 40 days. What's that about? God doesn't do anything just to have a thick book. Everything God does means something. Now watch this. It takes 40 weeks from conception to the birth of a child. And so the 40 days of symbolism of Jesus birthing a church without spot, without blemish, and without wrinkle. Moses fasted 40 days and the Ten Commandments was birthed. Elijah fasted 40 days and a double portion was birthed. Now, I just want to put that in your mind when you're reading the Word of God. Know these things. Jesus walked on this earth for 40 days because he had redeemed a church. 
You see, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was all under the law. I don't have time to prove that, but that's very provable. Grace did not start till the book of Acts. And that's where the early church was birthed. Woo! Somebody just said, I don't believe Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's all under the law. You said that in your mind. I'm not going to preach it, but I'm going to show you where it's at. Um, let me look here. Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 4. See, the Word of God takes the fuss out of everything. Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 4. Now watch this. Galatians 4 and verse number 4. The fullness of time was come. God sent forth his son, made of woman, made under the law. Jesus was under the law. Boy, I wish I could preach all that. Why Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books in the New Testament of the New Covenant when they were really under the law. There's a reason for that. But I'm talking about the blood, the power there is in the blood of Jesus Christ. Power in the blood. Now, I have brought you from where it started in Genesis to where the blood of Jesus is today. Would you bow your heads with me, please? I don't know everybody here, and I don't know your spiritual condition or your relationship with God, but I'm asking, is there anybody in this place unsaved? You don't know Jesus as Lord of your life. You can have him by declaring him to be Lord of your life and he will birth in you the likeness of God that was lost way before you was ever born. See, we're born into sin. As babies, we're innocent of sin, but as we mature, we become responsible for the sin in our life. I want to ask, is there anybody here to lift your hand right now and say, Preacher, I'm not right with God, but I want to be. I want this blood of Jesus. I want to be born again. I want him to be Savior of my life. I don't want to live like I'm living. I want Jesus to be Lord to me. Is there a hand anywhere? Slip it up right back down. Pray for me, Preacher. I need Jesus suppose you maybe everyone here is a Christian I don't know that but if you don't know him you can have him he paid the price and not only did he pay the price he beat the price triumphed over death hell and the grave that means we are totally and completely saved we no longer face our sins our sins are forgiven and removed because Jesus beat the price God I pray this morning that every heart here will receive this word you will touch our lives in a very special way and let us know who we are in Christ Jesus that we have passed from death unto life through Jesus Christ, our Savior. 
I pray, God, for those here that may be here that didn't lift their hand, but they are not ready to meet you. I just pray that you would touch them somewhere, someplace, sometime, that they'll know the understanding from this message and find you to be Lord in their life. Bless, I pray, in Jesus' name, and we thank you, Lord. Amen.